Good morning, church. My name is Ray Brandon, the pastor for preaching here at Northbridge. I have the privilege to introduce our speaker for today, Pastor Michael Brown, who is the president and CEO of the Kalamazoo Gospel Mission. Um, we really cannot um, uh, we, we cannot realize how blessed we are in our community uh, to have a man like uh, Dr. Brown at the helm of the, the mission. Um, he has a unique ministry, and, um, and it is one that he has to navigate um, all kinds of different churches, right? We got every single flavor and kind and belief. It goes the whole spectrum. And not only that, he has to, to uh, work with zoning commissions and um, politicians and public safety and people who think they know better. <laughs> And people who genuinely want to help our community but have no idea what they're doing, right? It's just, it, you can't imagine um, uh, being a leader in his position and working with um, leaders and community leaders and, and all of that. And he does it so well. And the, the, um, the rudder on the ship is right here in, in uh, Pastor Brown's hands, so... Um, it's a privilege, you know, the, the church is, we use this word, and you know, we're Baptist and Reformed, but the church truly is Catholic. There is, there is one church, it is the universal church, um, it is united in Jesus Christ, it is expressed in local bodies, it's expressed in local bodies. It will be glorified and it will be united, we look forward to that day, um, but we are called to work in local churches and then local churches are called by God's word to work together. And so it is our privilege to work with the Kalamazoo Gospel Mission. And um, I, I strongly encourage you, if you don't know much about the mission, and maybe you're watching from home this morning, um, I encourage you to call down there. There's a lot going on. Um, you can take a tour. Um, uh, um, it volunteer down at the Gospel Mission. Um, it is doing work in our community and we are blessed to have the gospel mission. And Pastor Brown, thank you so much for being here with us on this weekend. God bless you. Good morning. It's really a pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on in Kalamazoo. Um, and we have done our best trying to navigate uh, what's, what's happening. Uh, but as your pastor said, it's true. The rudder is God's word. Um, I want to show a brief video, and uh, once we get that video done, then I'll, I'll share a short message with you.
you led me to Jesus. So, Pastor, you told me I had about 40 minutes, so I'm thinking I got till right around, what, 9, 9 o'clock? Okay. Um, Kalamazoo Gospel Ministries is made up of, of a number of different components. We've got the Kalamazoo Gospel Mission, which most people understand and know as that place where people can come and stay and get, get fed, and there's so much more to that because in the Gospel Mission, we also have what's called a learning center. A lot of you all will remember Taste of Heaven and the little building out on the corner on Kalamazoo uh, at Burdick, that little building where Taste of Heaven used to be. That is our learning center, and people can come in. They don't have to be um, guests of the gospel mission, but if you need help with uh, high school, if you need help with college, if you just need help, if you come down there, then uh, our staff will help you there. Um, Rescued Treasures, most people know, is our thrift store on Burdick Street. Simple Treasures is our thrift store on South Westinch. And then we got Rescued Wheels right there on Burdick. Also is where when people donate vehicles to the Gospel Mission, we uh, have a partnership with mechanics out in town. They go through and uh, they check the vehicles out. They, they fix them and everything, and then we sell them in the community. The proceeds go and support uh, the ministry of the Gospel Mission. And a lot of our, um, our guests are able to afford cars because two things that keep people from getting employed, uh, other than not wanting to work, but the, the biggest two things that, uh, that keep people from being employed is transportation and childcare. Those, those two things. KDC, uh, a lot of you will remember Kalamazoo Deacons Conference. People remember that uh, ministry a few years ago we combined and Kalamazoo, uh, Kalamazoo Gospel Mission and Kalamazoo Deacons Conference combined. And we're trying to get away from the name Kalamazoo Deacons Conference, and so they are now KDC, Kindness, Dignity, and Compassion. And uh, they are part of our ministry now, but they are the arm of our ministry that works, uh, as they always have, with the working poor in the community uh, on the north side. Over 75 staff members and over 200 community volunteers a month give their time to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Since COVID, our numbers of volunteers have dropped and we've not had uh, enough volunteers really to come back. Our volunteers haven't come back as strongly as they were in the past. Um, staff, we've got a couple of open positions because we're having a hard time to, uh, trying to find people that want to work. I mean, as everywhere is right now, and I don't get it. I don't understand, because I remember when the stimulus, when everybody was getting stimulus checks, and, and you figured they're staying home because they're getting st stimulus checks, but nobody's getting that anymore. So I don't know what's keeping them home. But I'm sure you all have been to, to restaurants, and you find out that the section of the restaurant is blocked off, not because of COVID and social distancing, but because they can't find people to work. 
since 1933. Most of you all know we've been in town since 33. Uh, served the community calendars to us surrounding areas, offering radical hospitality. Uh, in Jesus' name, the people who were dealing with hunger, homelessness, abuse, and addiction. We offer nighttime shelter and other emergency services to anyone in need of a place to stay. Now, you'll hear certain groups of people said, well, they won't let me stay at the mission. That's not true. We won't let you stay at the mission where you want to stay at the mission. <laughs> I mean, if you're homeless and you need a warm place to stay, we'll give you a warm place. But you don't come in and get to choose where you're going to stay. I mean, <laughs> my kids were in town for Thanksgiving. And when they got there, I was so glad to see them but they wasn't sleeping in my room. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, people come to visit you, you know, you tell them where they're going to stay, right? Is that right? I mean, that's the way it works around my house, you know. So uh, KGM provides a hot breakfast to guests who are staying with us and a, and a hot dinner to both our guests and anyone in the community uh, who is hungry. Now, we recently changed that. You all know that we were known for three hot meals a day. And uh, when COVID happened, our staff decreased, uh, and we had um, a lot of people coming in for the community who were just downright ungrateful. That's, I don't know how else to say it. Um, and we had occasion where the menu says steak, and you got people throwing meat across the counter at the staff talking about, I don't want this, you know, like that. And we found out that the majority of those people were from the community. And so we serve breakfast in the morning for the people that are staying with us. We don't serve lunch. We serve a dinner meal for the people that are staying with us and the community. And so they can come in in the evening and get something. But uh, don't be alarmed. Nobody's going to starve. We've got ministry with community that is serving breakfast and lunch to the community. And so anybody can go over there and get something to eat. Uh, guests receive a one-on-one -on -one support and are encouraged to enter one of our programs. So when a person checks in, the first thing we want to know is, okay, what's up? I mean, what, what, where are you? How did you get here? And what can we do to help you get to that next place? What can we, if you made a misstep or something, what can we do to help you do that? And you're assigned a counselor. And the reason we do it that way is because we don't want to tell a person where they need to be going and how they need to get there because there's no buy-in in that. We want them to be a part of the process and now we expect that they are bought into it and that they are active participants in their own uh, recovery. We offer shelter, meals, clothing, individual case management, education and job skills training, children's ministry, uh, physical and mental health support, regeneration, and addiction recovery. The new building, 45,797 uh, uh, 45, square feet of space. It'll double the capacity of women and children we can serve, increase emergency shelter capacity from 131 beds to 191. Uh, available services, it increases daycare from 350 to two, uh, up from 297, alcohol and uh, drug and alcohol counseling for 684, up from 579, and increased meal services 
uh, to 290,000 up from 210,000 a year, and uh, housing referrals 1,125 up from 750. That's what our little building uh, looks like, and uh, if you, I'm, I'm telling you, if you come by, you can almost see it. I mean, it's it's almost finished. I came by one day, and I think it was about two weeks ago, and the cross on the left, it was in the evening, the cross on the left was up and it was lit up. And I sit there in my truck and cried because it's been nine years that we've been trying to get this building up. And so they are uh, doing some things now um, that where heavy equipment is still being bought in through the uh, space where the cross is on the right. And once that's done, then they'll close that up and put up our other cr cross. So the electrical services to the building was just uh, connected. Uh, painting, finishing coats in the suites and ceilings being painted. Uh, main parking lot was just completed this week. Uh, resurfacing and painting. Landscaping is going to happen next week in, the, in that parking lot. Uh, elevators installed is in process. Um, estimated completion date, it was October. But we ran into some challenges uh, with getting the electrical hooked up and everything, pushed it back. Now we're looking at mid to late December with the grand opening in early 2022 now. If, I'm just going to tell you, if, if they do that by the end of December, they good. Because I've walked through that building. <laughs> I've walked through that building. It's like you keep telling me mid to late December, really? You know, so we'll see. Um, I'm just so glad to be at this point, you know, and you expect on a, pro a project this size, $10.3 million, you figure, you know, things are not going to stick to those schedules that they give you initially. And so, you know, you expect for them to run a little bit late, so I'm still good. Okay, let's talk about the encampments. Our team has been going out to the encampments. How many of you all remember in 2019 when we opened up land behind the gospel mission and we had the encampment people come live on the gospel mission property. Does anybody remember that? So because they had, remember they had the encampments in downtown and Bronson Park and all of that. And uh, just to show, I did it for two reasons. Number one, I did it because I wanted to show that gospel mission wants to be a part of solving this problem. The other thing, the other reason I did it was you can't keep saying what people are going to do until you give them the opportunity to do something different. And so I gave them the opportunity to live on our property while they were saying they were rejected by us. Anyone that was barred, we removed all of the bars for whatever reasons. I think there were only three people that we kept bars on, and that was for very violent offenses. Uh, we opened up our showers two times a day, in, one in the morning, one in the evening, for anybody uh, from the encampments that needed showers, and our counselors went out twice a day to talk to the people. They tore our land up, boy. They, they tore the land up. They, they stole the lawnmowers. They stole the trash cans, you know, and it's not all of them, okay? You need to know that. Uh, all homeless people are not the same. They're not all homeless for the same reason, and um, what we have in the encampments, you have people who are uh, mentally ill is the largest population out there, uh, those people who are mentally ill. And the response to that from the city and these other organizations is that if they're not violent, well, then we, we're not going to, you know, just leave them alone and let them do what it is they want to do. 
And a person like that, they don't see anything wrong with their behavior, and they will continue to, to, to behave that way. Well, we can't make them come in for help, okay? Then you have people out there that are, they're campers. They're campers. That's how they live. And if you go out there, now you see these pictures here, but when we were, uh, when we had them come live on our, on our property, they were living in tents, a few of them in tents I couldn't afford. I mean, these two, three, four, five hundred dollar tents, you know, and they've got businesses going. It's a whole community. They have, um, well, we got kids in the room, but they got everything going on in those tents that you can imagine, you know, out there. And, and it, wherever they move that culture to, it's, it's a short period of time before they have a drug tent before they have another tent with other stuff going on. You don't know what I'm talking about, but they got all of this stuff. It's a community, you know. And so, and, and if you listen to the news, they will tell you the issue they have with staying at the gospel mission and at other places. And I'm sure if you've, if you've listened to the news, you've heard them say, we don't want to stay over there because they have rules. <laughs> Where are you going to stay? There's no rules. I'm paying, for, I'm paying my own mortgage, and when I go home, I got rules. You don't believe that? Ask my wife. You know, I mean, there's rules wherever you live. There's rules. I mean, it's a community, and in order for community to work, we all need to be involved in making it work, and there are boundaries, and they don't want that. And so uh, I was approached by uh, a member of uh, Housing Resources when they decided that they were going to bring the pods to Kalamazoo, and they wanted to know if we wanted to partner with them because we still have that section of land. And I told them, I said, I'd be wide open for that. I said, I just have, I said, I got a couple of requirements. And she said, what is that? I said, well, I want to make sure that there's a plan. I said, when people come to stay in the park, what is the plan? I mean, don't just bring them in and say, okay, here you are. You know, when they come in, you want to know how long are they going to stay there? What's the process? I mean, what are we trying to get them to? What are we trying to do? What service do they need? Is there supportive services for that? I wanted to make sure I said, if you, we got those things in, in place, I said, and I'm wide open for it. I said, we can, you know, whenever you want to do that. So she went to somebody else. And so, uh, because they don't want to do it either. The, the big difference between what the city wants to do and what Gospel Mission does is housing first. Housing First says, let's just build some places and stick people in it. Gospel Mission and other rescue missions, we work off of what we call a housing third. And what that means is you bring people in, you assess them, you deal with their uh, addictions, you deal with their mental illness, you deal with whatever those challenges are, then you train them. You either get them trained for a skill or a job or you get them retrained or something like that, that's the second step. And then the third step is get them a place to live. Because now, once you put them in a place to live, they can afford it. And they can, they can continue on with, with support. But it's the supporting services piece that's missing uh, between the two. If you go up, you can go up on the uh, internet and you can Google uh, the government's position on housing. It's called, uh, expanding the toolbox. You can get it on our website, actually. And it was the 2020 uh, government's um, survey on homelessness. And it talks about 
the fact that housing first does not work, and it gives statistics to prove it. So I, I never understood why people that keep telling you about, you know, follow the science, we've already proven it, and then you show them, follow the statistics, we've already proven it, they don't want to hear that. And so one of them I told, one of our uh, officials in Kalamazoo, I told them, I said, it doesn't work. Why do you keep throwing money at it? And they said, well, we're passionate about it. I said, well, you can be passionately wrong. It doesn't work, you know, and so, but they, they choose to do that. I don't have the money that they got, so I can't, you know, and I, and I wouldn't. It doesn't make sense. How can you help? We need volunteers in the kitchen. Two times a day, rescue treasures at a thrift store, children's ministry, KDC, direct response servants. Uh, we need them over there. Though, and the direct re response servants is a person that will sit down and listen to somebody and direct them to the resources that they need. If you don't know how to do it, they'll train you. Uh, volunteers once a month to help families move in the tra uh, move transition out of the shelter. Uh, Thanksgiving meal, well, that went over really big. We had a great Thanksgiving meal. And now our family Christmas closet is the next big thing that we've got going on. Donation drives, we currently need underwear, men's underwear, women and children's. Uh, socks of all sizes, pots and pans over at KDC. One of the things KDC is big on is helping people to outfit their apartments or their uh, home that they get to rent uh, when they get ready to transition out of the mission. So just the little things that you wouldn't think about, they help them with that. Beds, mattresses, uh, sheets, blankets, and all of that. We need diapers, uh, larger sizes, four, five, and six, feminine hygiene products, and visit KGM wish list on KalamazooGospel.org. You know, not only check out our website, but I really, really, really would love for you all to come down for a tour. You know, oftentimes people talk about the mission and they're talking about it from the word on the street. You know, and I'm telling you, if, it, if I had heard some of the things that I hear about the gospel mission, and I didn't know any better, I'd go, who them people I think they're going to treat people like that? That's crazy, you know, but it's all rumor, you know. But when you go down and you actually see what goes on, well, then you understand it's a, it's a difference. People will say what they need to say in order to get the desired result. That's our address, phone number, and our website. Is that it? That's the last one? So you can also go up on YouTube and type in Kalamazoo Gospel Ministries, and there's a live feed camera that you can watch the construction that's going on right now uh, in real time. Had about 30 minutes. We're going to have a good time right now. Uh, we're gonna, um, I just want to share a few things with you all uh, because... Of the time that we live in, because of the time that we live in, a lot, of, a lot of Christians are confused. You know, they get confused because they love people. You know, anybody here love people? You know, I mean, you love people, you know, and you want to help people, you know, but what does help look like? What does real help look like? You know, um, I know people that they see homeless people on the street and they give them money and everything like that, and it makes you feel really good 
but you don't know what they're doing with that money. You know, you, don't, you just don't know. We have uh, we put together goodie bags, and we've taken them out. We've given them the goodie bags, and we find trash all over the city because they don't want that stuff. They're throwing it away. You know, then you'll give them money and everything. Walk up to a person that asks you for money and tell them, if you got a minute, just tell them, I'll tell you what, I'll take you over here and I'll buy you a sandwich. Tell them that, see how quick you get cussed out. You know, because they don't want the sandwich. My dad taught me that when I was a little boy. There was a 7-Eleven not far from my house. And my dad would go there every morning to get some coffee. And there were these guys that sit out front. And when he went in, he'd speak to them and everything. And they said, Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown, give me, give, me, give me a couple of dollars, Mr. Brown. And he said, I tell you what, he said, I'll buy you a sandwich. Oh, come on, Mr. Brown. You, you ain't, you ain't got to do that, you know, like that. And my dad said, I'll buy you a sandwich. I'll buy you something to eat, but I'm not going to give you money. You know, and they used to get mad because they don't want that. We had to watch because some of the things that we were giving them, and I'm, I'm thinking it's still probably going on. Sometimes they come in, they're freezing cold. You give them a coat, and if you follow that person, they're down two blocks over selling the coat. You know, and so that's why it's really important that if you want to support people that are homeless, you want to encourage them to go to organizations that are helping people with regimented, consistent support, with educated support, people that know them. Some, our rescue mission and some of the others, um, usually if you give them the person's name, and we do have a database, but if you give them the person's name, they can give you the history of the person. They can tell you how long they've stayed with us. And, uh, we did a few years ago, uh, we looked at the whole panhandling thing. You know what panhandling is? Anybody know what panhandling is? Panhandling is the new occupation. It's the new occupation. Panhandling is tax-free. You know, you making, what, $800 a day and up? You know, panhandling. And so I had a friend of mine, a guy that used to come in and volunteer at the mission, he told me one day, he said, Pastor, he said, I know a whole lot of panhandlers. I don't know no homeless people. He was telling me, he said, they panhandle take trips. They panhandle to go to do what they want to do. There's panhandling. It's free money. You know, and I mean, when's the last time you saw a sign that said, we'll work for food? You haven't. The, the signs now say homeless. God bless you. You know, and some of them don't even say that. You know, some of them just say, God bless you, you know, because they put God's name on the sign, that means you, you can trust me. Not so, you know. And, and please don't ever, don't hear anything that I'm telling you, please, to, to think, don't, don't let anything that I say to you make you think that I don't love homeless people. The reason I do what I do is because I am so sick and tired of people being tricked by the enemy into the lifestyle that they're living. I am so sick and tired of people who are living below the, 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 the plan that God has for them. Don't you know that God has, everybody in here, God has a plan for your life. How many of y'all know that? You know that. Well, the folks out on the street, some of them have forgotten that. And we have to help them remember that. We have to help them remember that they're loved. Now, I want to speak to you this morning from uh, Philippians 4, 
1 through 19. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to read that scripture this morning. I'll read some pieces as I, some portions of it as I um, talk to you about them. It's Philippians 4, 4, 1 through 19. Philippians 4.1 says, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I'm going to tell you all that. Stand fast. We, we need to not miss an opportunity to stand for the things of the Lord. Stand for the things that are important to God. I think often about David. You know, David... He goes to take lunch to his brothers, and when he gets there, there's this guy across the valley that's just standing there taunting them, talking against the Lord. And David, this young boy, walks up and says, this ain't right. David walks up and goes, what's, what's his problem? You know, and David want to know, I bet you David want to know, how come all of y'all standing here, this whole army, all of y'all standing here, and don't nobody see nothing wrong with that? Because nobody said nothing. So David's like, I'll handle it. And his brother turned around and tried to make him feel small. You know, what you doing over here? What you done with them few sheep we left you with? And David said, what, what did I do wrong? He said, isn't this a cause? If this isn't a cause, what is, what's worth fighting for? And when you look at the way that people's lives are all messed up right now, and they're being, it, it's like everything else. Do you know why homelessness isn't being solved? Because it's big business. It's people getting paid. It's money in people staying homeless. It's money in programs that don't work. I'm just going to tell you the truth. That's it. Government wants to, wants to show you programs. They don't have to work. They just want a program, and your tax dollars goes to that. It's the same reason that, that cancer isn't cured yet. Nobody gets paid for people being well. Come on. It's the same reason that, that, that there's cures for COVID that you don't have access to. Because nobody gets paid for you to be well. That's, that's just the truth. All right, and that's not a political statement. That's just the truth. Okay? So let's not miss an opportunity to stand. Modern society will present you new age thinking, but God will never, never contradict his word. God is never going to contradict his word. I'm going to read you a portion of a letter that I got. This, I got this letter in the mail. This shows you how confused people are. This is a person who said that they haven't been allowed to stay at the gospel mission. And they said, years ago, I pledged my life to God. This includes being open to many challenges of being a particular person for God. Then I learned that I was trans transgender, not because of some gender identity, but because the spirit compels me to rise above petty divisiveness to connect with the best of God's creation on all sides of the issue. Let that sit there for a minute, because I had to read that a couple of times. God compels me. God 
compels me to integrate the best of masculine and feminine qualities and the best of liberalism and conservatism and the best of the accused and the accuser. Oh, you think that's bad? Our kids have been taught this stuff in school. Because I am not outwardly transgender, I am not even included in the trans community. I was watching uh, TV the other day. Uh, my wife loves the, the, what is it, the Hallmark Channel, and uh, she loves that. Boy, this time of year, me, I was liking the reruns of Castle, and uh, <laughs> they had on Channel 25, and they, they took that off and put those Christmas movies on there. And I saw one the other day, I was looking at it and just watching, I came in and it was uh, one of the movies, it was a, a black family and it was a well-to-do family and they seemed to be doing well. They had, of course, in these movies, they always have issues, you know, and usually with the Hallmark channels, all of them had the same plot, you know, they, they get there a different way, but in the end, everybody falls in love, you know. And uh, with this particular one, though, um, this... This guy, it's the, 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 the father in the scene is a pastor. He's a pastor. And, and his son brings a friend of his home with him. And the whole thing at the end of the thing was his son wanted to propose to this guy and wanted to use his grandfather's wedding ring that had been passed down to do it. And I'm looking, why y'all got to do that? I mean, why you got to take Christmas and take this movie and do that? And then the pastor gave his son the blessing, and if you don't go to church, that's church for you. You, you know what I'm saying? That those people that want to get Christmas and what God wants you to know about this season, you know, they're getting that from there. And that, oh, you know, because you got to love everybody. You know, you got to love everybody, and I do. I love everybody. My parents, I had nine brothers and sisters, and I love my mom and daddy so, so much because I remember times when I was growing up. You know how teenagers got all the wisdom in the world. Y'all know that? Teenagers, y'all, come on, y'all about to come into that season where you know everything, you know. And my mother, I would sit and talk to my mother, <laughs> and my mother would listen to me, and she'd go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And then she said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard, you know. <laughs> and then she would set us straight, you know. And it was never that we were right because we were her kids. You know, it was never that we were right just because we were her children. I mean, my mama held us accountable. My daddy, they just did not play that, you know. And you could, and even as I got older, you know, I would tell her stuff and she'd listen and, and as I became more mature, then we could have greater discussions, you understand, because she also knew she didn't know everything, you know. But she was not going to let me bring some wisdom from out in the street somewhere and convince her that wrong was right. My mom didn't play that. We need to t take, uh, well, here's Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through 
Christ Jesus. We need to thank him for his mercy, his grace, his blood, the word. Thank him for food, friends, family. Thank him for your job. Thank him for the family of God. Thank him for your freedom. There's so much to thank God for. When was the last time you just sit down and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write a list of stuff I'm thankful for. Because if you don't, and you have to take, you, you have to do that on purpose. You have to uh, be prayerful on purpose. What is purposeful prayer? I found myself going to the hospital to pray for people, and I would walk in the room, and one of the things I would ask is, what did the doctor say? And I found out one day that what the doctor said took control of my mind, not as to how I prayed, but to what I expected. I'm just being honest with you. There are certain things that doctors say that we just, just drains your hope. Well, what did the doctor say? Well, the doctor said they've only got a few days. You know, the doctor said in situations like this, it's, you know, it's cancerous, you know. But then God called, God is our healer. So where does that come into play? Is God lying or is, the, or is his word not as, as firm as the, what the doctor said? And so this, word, this year at the gospel mission, our word for the year is this, expectation. Praying on purpose means that you are praying and you are expecting that what God said is going to happen right here. Now, if God said he can heal that, you expect it. If God says that, it, that he's your healer, expect him to be. I think I, well, that's one of the things I think that we don't get as much out of prayer as God wants us to have because we don't expect nothing. There's nothing in our prayer that would pull on God to do what he said he's going to do. We don't expect it. You know, so now when I go in the hospital to pray for people, I don't want to know what the doctor said. Because I don't want to be clouded. I don't want my mind clouded with what the doctor said, trying to war against what God said. You know, I know what God said, and that's all I need. I don't care what the doctor said. Well, the doctor said they're not going to make it. Well, he ain't God. Amen? Somebody? You know what I mean? Somebody. I mean, he, God, he ain't God. He don't know everything. I mean, how many people have you known that came back from, from odds that were so far against them? I listened to Joel Osteen talk about his mother. They told her 40 years ago her cancer was, she'd be dead in a few months. 40 years ago. I listened to him and he tells a story about his grandmother. And his grandmother went to the doctor and the doctor told her that she had some, uh, some terminal illness and says, grandmother looked at the doctor and said, I'll not have it. I'm not having none of that. God did not give it to me, and I'm not having it. So she, she went on and lived <laughs> because she expected that God was going to do what God said he was going to do. So we need to have expectation. We need to practice being content. One of the things that, that gets me about a lot of the people that we work with they don't have anything, and uh, let me say, they don't have anything, and when they get something, they ain't content with what they get. They want more. And some of us do the same thing. We're not satisfied with what God has given us. We're not grateful. 
I mean, some of us, if I told you to list what you're grateful for, it'll be a whole lot of stuff that you leave off the list because you feel like you're entitled to that. No, I'm grateful. You know, you got to be, you have to be grateful. I believe that the reason God doesn't give us more stuff than what we have, because you haven't proven to be grateful with what you got already. You know, you got to show yourself grateful. Show, you, show God that you're loving, that you appreciate the fact that he woke you up this morning. We, well, we expect to get up in the morning. No, you know what? You don't have to. I know a whole bunch of people that expected to get up this morning. Didn't make it. My dad, my dad was staying with my brother. He went upstairs expecting to get up the next morning, and when they went up there, he was gone. He wasn't sick. He was gone, you know. He was ready to go. He was ready to go, but he wasn't sick, you know. So thank God, you know, thank God and be grateful for where we are. I'm going to stop right now because we got like three, I got like three minutes left. I want to tell you all, Pastor, I appreciate you all giving me some time to come down here and talk to your people today. I appreciate you all for all the support that you all give the gospel mission. And, and I want you to know that, that I'm not doing anything in a back room anywhere with anybody. So if you ever hear something about the gospel mission and you want to know for the truth, come on down. I'll tell you, I'll walk you through and show you. You know, I have nothing, we, like they said, nothing up this sleeve, nothing up that sleeve, you know. So, you know, I want you all to be comfortable with the ministry of the gospel mission. But I've learned that when it comes time to stand, I told you, Pastor, this morning, when I'm confused, I go to the last place I heard God, and I'll stand there. And I'll wait till he show up, because I'm not trying to get caught up in a whole bunch of other confusing stuff. Lastly, let me tell you this. I love Facebook. I love Facebook. Don't let Facebook control your life. Facebook is not the news. You know, Facebook, Facebook will, will have you mad at people for something that really don't make no sense. You know, ain't got nothing to do with nothing, but it's got you distracted and, you, and you're upset with people all because of Facebook. And Facebook is like the airbrush photos in a magazine. It ain't real. People just putting the best foot out there, you know, or the, the one they want you to believe. That, them people ain't even real. Let's pray. <laughs> God, we just love you. God, we are so grateful to you for who you are, God. We're grateful, God, for who you are in us. We're grateful, God, for the plan and the purpose that you have for each and every one of us. My prayer is, God, that we will, that we will tune in, God, and be open to hear from you and allow you, God, to speak life into us, allow you to speak purpose into us, allow you, God, to guide our steps through some of the confusing conversations and allow you, God, to cause us to stand when all else is done, Father, that we stand, that we stand on your word. God, we give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Thank you brother. Thank you. <clears throat> you know, it's, I, I, as, uh, as Pastor Brown was, was speaking, I think it's, it's very appropriate that we have him come and speak to us following the series um, that, that we had called Table Manners, where we looked at the, 
strategies of, of evil and Satan that destroy us and divide us. And um, then last week looking at, you know, why? Why is that? And what, 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 is, what is happening? I couldn't help, you know, but think, too, that if we probably spend enough time in the room, we probably find a few things that would divide us. Probably. We probably could find those, find those things that would divide us. And if you look at the landscape of um, downtown Kalamazoo, uh, you, will, you will see a place that um, evangelical churches are leaving over the last decade. Gospel preaching churches are not in downtown Kalamazoo. They have left. Um, there, there are still churches there. Um, and there are churches, the majority of churches, um, would not open God's word and look to God's word and look to, to God. They're, they're looking to other things. Um, and so I think it is significant when you see that building um, that has the cross on and a new building being built where... Um, the gospel is being proclaimed. The gospel is being proclaimed at the Kalamazoo Gospel Mission. And um, as I said at the very beginning, like Pastor Brown, um, he has a lot of people, you probably sense that, pulling in various directions, right? Satan is at work. And when the gospel is being proclaimed and you have a population that um, is different than it was um, 10 years ago, and you're working with people with tons of needs, it is difficult. And uh, um, because of the gospel, Pastor Brown and his staff, they have stood the test of time. And they would tell you it's, it's because of God's word, um, because of the mission of proclaiming God's word and seeing that transform lives. And I, I would encourage you, just even as you grab, go ahead and take out your phone and you go to the response card at www.northbridge.me and you put a prayer request down. Um, you could just put down, I'll, I'll be praying for, if you would, I will be praying for the Kalamazoo Gospel Mission. And will you do that? Will you add that um, to your regular regimen of prayer? And we have things like connect events that anybody can host. I, I would encourage you to host a connect event where you invite a few people from church and maybe some friends and you say, let's go down and we'll schedule it and, and we'll go down and see what's happening at the gospel mission. Take a tour and um, go out for pizza afterwards or something like that. Talk about that. Talk about how you can be involved at the Kalamazoo gospel mission. You know, I know when my um, boys were growing up, I had the Friday night, once a month, the Friday night uh, service at the Kalamazoo gospel mission. And we went, in fact, Cole, his senior year, just about every Friday night, he learned to preach um, at the Kalamazoo Gospel Mission. He's preaching at Northeastern Baptist uh, this morning, and that's where he preached. And he preached every Friday night for a little over a year. We'd go down there, and, and, uh, and you know, that, that impacted lives and impacted his life. And I would encourage you just to minister that way. Be faithful. And you're not going to, you, you, you know, in many ministries like, like the, the Kalamazoo Gospel Mission, you're not, going to see, you're not going to hear often thank you from the people that you're serving. And the people that should be um, uh, watching your back, sometimes they're not. And so that's the kind of ministry that um, Pastor Brown and his staff um, have. And they need churches, they need people like you to continue to uphold them in prayer and encourage them on a regular basis. 